Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Atwu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 2, Episode 3, The Return to Omashu. Today on my panel I have Charles. Woo! And a returning guest for her third appearance on Thoughts from Atwu, we have Delia. Hello. So, let's get right in. Initial thoughts. Omashu, our second visit here. Charles, go ahead. Um, uh, there's 71 types of Jing that we don't know about yet. That, that, yeah. Those are, those Momo are... knows a few of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I liked the episode a lot. Um, it's... The Azul parts are great for further showing just how far she's willing to go to get what she wants. Um, we get introduced to Mai and let me kill myself for forgetting the other and uh, Taiwi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, their characters like. I mean, you know, it's just a surface glance, but you see a lot of what makes them them just in the very moments of the introduction, which uh, I think is a strength of what Avatar does. It's like you can see characters and know what they're about or what they seem to be about uh, really quickly. And um, I just like the, I guess, moral that they kind of pitched with Aang, that mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, sometimes waiting for what needs to happen uh, is right, and it kind of implies that he ha will have some difficulty with earth bending based on you know what he's been doing, and you know we get hints of Toph, and that's great. It's it's fun. Yeah, I like the episode all in all, but there's like some weakish moments. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I want to be May. And that gloomy girl? Yeah, she's amazing. She's my idol. Uh, I want to have a world with her. <laughs> she is so... She is the best thing... I like thing. that Charles laughed at that. <laughs> she is the best thing to ever happen. And, um... I thought it was a lovely... A lovely episode. Casually kidnapping small children... And uh, searching for hundred-year-old earthbending kings, and it was it was an adventure, and you know, spreading diseases mm -hmm. that aren't real. Um, hey, it was my kind of cousin Chang. Remember cousin Chang. Listen, listen. Oh, I thought I forgot that you told me to stop saying listen, but listen. <laughs> it was great. And I do not have as detailed of a thing to say about it as Charles did, so we're just gonna, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like this episode a lot. I think that the Azula parts are really excellent and come off of, um, you know, two weeks ago when we talked about um, the first episode of the book with Azula's introduction. Like, this episode, like, really gets Azula's character going. We get, you know, quite a bit more of just showing how great a player she is at this game and and everything that that works. Um, I also I like the Ang parts. I don't. It's not an episode where I'm gonna like have a, like a huge spread like in in an Avatar state where I really didn't like the Ang parts. However, I do think this is an episode that is kind of ind indicative of a bit of a book two problem in general, where you've got these like episodes that really turn on a dime and become very different episodes. Like you start this episode starts and you have this whole thing with you know the the citizens of of Bossing say that need to leave and this kind of whole plot with that and then that plot kind of ends and then we go on to a completely different story of them fighting uh may tiley and azula and trying to get boomy and i know those things are technically related but they do feel kind of different from a tone perspective and i do think that this episode is somewhat indicative of that where you have these like very the episodes do feel a little bit disjointed and when we talk i just th I was thinking about this when i was thinking about the swamp as an episode that's like does have some interesting tone juxtapositions um so we'll talk about through that as we go that being said i i'm this is this has been this is a really good episode i think that there's some some really great things to like in it and i think charles is right that there's a really interesting message in it about you know in multiple locations that is really really great um 
So right off the bat, I like that this is one of the few episodes that comes right at the end of the last week. Obviously, last week we had the the major reveal with um, with seeing that Omashu was, was was taken over, and we don't waste any time. We're we're, we're right into um, we're we're right into where we were at the end of, of the last episode, and I think that's like we don't get that all that much. We don't really have a great idea of how episodes relate to each other in terms of time. Um, but I think this is an important touch, and it and it helps because it, you you come off of last week with this pretty big moment at the end, and and it would have been I think deflated if you either tried to redo it or you know we didn't get right into it. But I like that we're we get right into the the action. Um, but something I want to touch on at the very beginning is, and I say that with full realization of the pun, um, I really like the line when they talk about how Omashu uh, always seemed untouchable. And I feel like they did a really good job of showing that visually, not just um, stating it, because Omashu does look like a pretty difficult city to conquer. I mean, it's kind of on its own in this mountain range. It's got these high walls. It seems very, like, this does not seem like something that would have been an easy thing to take. And it does give some, a little bit more meaning to the fact that this has been on a hundred years war. This is not, you know, we're not, we're not six weeks into a war. Like, this is something that's been a long time, and it, it, it took this long for the Fire Nation to finally conquer Omashu. And I think that that, like, that's a very important thing, especially as we move towards bossing say and seeing you know the the truly impenetrable city i'm um honestly still kind of confused as to how they did take much <laughs> like obviously we knew that happened last episode and um you can see that it's like having fi- the fire nation is like everywhere in the city just when you get a view look at that visual shot it's really hard there's one point would, of entrance into the city, and it's made out of earth. How the fuck did they not... Here would be my response. Is it possible that they did just get some blimp technology? Yeah, sure, why not? I, I guess we don't know how long since then till now, so yeah, but... It's been some time. I mean, it, it's definitely been... Because, I mean, we have the entirety of the invasion of the North... Um, and it, it definitely, and we know it took a couple of like weeks for them to get from the Northern Air Temple just to um, the Northern Water Tribe. And you've got to figure they were there a while, considering how much better Qatar uh, is at water bending. Sure, but it's like, did I mean? And we know that um, Bumi obviously did not participate in the defense, and mm-hmm. I guess that could be there. That would be fairly significant, but. Like we don't. We know there wasn't a long protracted siege. Like we know this was just there was an invasion and they conceded. Lasted a day. I mean, the war's been going on for a hundred years, and even though they didn't, if they have that technology, they didn't use it until now. At this point, the world. Be- no, we know they just got it in in the end of Northern Air Time. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, you know, the world has just sort of recently become aware that the Avatar is chilling somewhere. And so the Fire Nation might be thinking, well, we probably should get that invasion done before uh, before old Avatar shows up to to shut us down. So I don't know. I don't think they care so much about Aang at this point. No? I mean, maybe coming off of. I mean, Lord, I think I think in, in terms Tribe, of yeah. like in terms of like future, like if they're trying to like they're not being really short sighted about it. Like they recognize that the Avatar is around and that his, like, job is supposed to be to maintain peace, so they might be thinking, well, he's probably a little wimp at the moment, but in a few months or something, he could be the bomb. So we probably should get this Perhaps. taken care of ahead of time. Perhaps, but I don't know. It still doesn't seem like they're... Like, it's not even like... Like, Azula says she's gonna go after Aang, but, like, that's not her mission. Her mission is to deal with Zuko and Iroh. Like, she takes it upon herself. Yeah, like, there's... It doesn't really seem like they care all that much. Yeah, okay. It seems like Zhao did, but Zhao's dead. Well, technically not dead. He's immortal. He's he's stuck in the fog of lost souls. But he can't die there. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not, yeah, but I don't think he wants that. He's just wandering in a fog, screaming about how he wants to capture the Avatar. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, okay. That, that's my I, ideal Saturday night. Um. No. No, it's not. All right, then. You don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. 
I, I do. I don't know and... how much cereal I want. It, would you like some Fire Flakes? They're delicious. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, okay, so I can get the one thing. I just wish they had shown that more, because you just see, like, the Fire Nation wall and logo draped across the city, so it's obvious that it's been taken over. But uh, they could have, you know, added a little bit more visual indicators as to how... If that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I, would, I agree. I don't I don't think they do a great job of of sort of showing the how, um, especially because of the fact that Boomy like concedes. So I feel like they they almost are like, well, we don't really need to. But I would agree that they should have. It would have been nice to see a bit more. Um, I just think that they, because we came off such a massive battle at the end of book one, and we're gonna have you know the the massive invasion later, like. I don't think they totally shy away from this stuff. I think they do a reasonable job of, of showing it when they have to. So, I don't know. I feel like part of it is also the fact that as, like, Aang wasn't there, Aang doesn't truly know what happened. He just knows he failed again. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fair. Um, so we see a bit more of the Aang stepping up when it comes to his friends. I mean, obviously, we're... we're a little bit further away from the book one Aang not doing anything but you can definitely tell Aang has a massive sen- like a much larger sense of purpose when it's an in- saving an individual person as opposed to saving tons upon tons of people yeah mm-hmm. um, I also like that the, the opening when they're sort of getting into the city and, and trying to do stuff there, it, it is nice to sort of see a bit of a, like avatar in stealth mode it's like just kind of a little bit different it looks it visually looks very different. There's not that much of Avatar that's shot at night. You know, many, you know, a lot of Avatar is, is during the day, mm-hmm. and I think they make a good use of of doing it at night and having it look a little bit different. Yeah, that's true. We don't see a lot of um, a lot of sneaking around or a lot of uh, what's the word? Outside of Blue Spirit. A lot of covert yeah. ang. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, uh, um, it's especially rare for the gang. <laughs> yes. I enjoyed Sokka's oh. suffering in the uh, in the sewer, and then mm-hmm. the little alien music. <laughs> yep. That was a nice touch. And um, of course, poor cousin Chang, dying of pentapox. I mean, who knows, right? Maybe. For <laughs> shame. Maybe maybe cousin Chang was severely allergic. To the uh, the Pentapus. I, I what's I'm I am kind of curious if Pentapox is a real thing. Like, do you want me to Google you know, it? it? It's not gonna come up on Google whether it's a real well, thing. Well, I'm gonna Avatar Wiki it. Okay. Um. But we switch over. We get uh, we get Azula and her um, motion. And I do. I, I have a soft spot for Lo and Lee. I, I do enjoy them. I think that they're like a nice, the right balance of comedy in the, um, with with Azula there because they're not like totally ridiculous, but they're also like just funny enough to to, to give you a laugh during these more, much more serious Azula moments. So I, I actually enjoy them uh, and their dialogue quite a bit. Um, and overall, this episode, I mentioned in the opening, but I really like Azula, the way Azula functions in this episode. I think that she just, there, there's some just great things that, that she does, and they really are just, like, hitting the ground, absolutely running with Azula's character. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, every moment Azula's on screen, she's, like, the, her lines, her posture, expression are screaming out, you know, I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. serious. I'm gonna fucking. You can't get... stop me. Yeah, and I'm gonna get what I want, no matter what methods I need to use or what I need to do to do it. And if you get in my way, I'm mm-hmm. willing to put a beat down on you, emotionally, yeah. physically. <laughs> I'm yeah. Zilla. Yeah, and just and just kind of jumping right into that, I, I also Ty Lee's introduction is is really good, especially with Ty Lee, her visually is incredible. I, I love how they animate her motion. Um, 
like she she's she's she moves so fluidly, so comfortably transitioning between walking on her hands, walking on her feet, and all of that. And I, like that's also something that's I don't think that's easy to do because like it it is kind of hard to to animate someone just kind of walking and and have it look so different compared to everyone else we've seen. And like yeah, we've seen some pretty good athletes like you know ang has got some pretty acrobatic moves and you know um jet did back in the you know back at the time even azula does a little bit throughout this you like you can tell she's you know a, a good athlete so to speak but tylee just is on a completely different level mm-hmm. and looks so visually unique the way she moves and i and i that i i totally adore and even in just a small moment where she's you know talking to azula and kind of stretching you can see how different it will like her motions look mm-hmm. and there's i've always appreciated the line my aura has never been pinker <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed the interactions between azula and the other two and well i mean you know may and tylee um and yeah. their interactions when the three of them were together because especially with may and tylee because may is so like they're such opposites but mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just nice to see, like, even though they're sort of, you know, villains, they have a nice little, a nice little friendship going, and I can appreciate yeah. it. Are they yeah. villains though? Well, no, I wouldn't necessarily call them the villains, but I mean, I, I would. They're, sad they're, they're especially in book two. They're 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 villains in book two. There's no way around that. I, do they become not villains? Obviously, I mean, they're, they're teenage girls. Oh, I, I oh, was yeah, but... running more along the logic that um, they're, they were strong arms, blackmailed, you know, uh, pushed into it by Zula. To... You could maybe see that with Tylee, definitely not May. Yeah, but... yeah May, 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 I'll, yeah, sure, she was like on board from the start, Tylee was like... <laughs> Tylee was but like, nah, I just live my life. But Tylee's nah is not a, I don't want to be a party to destroying the world it's i just want to be in this circuit I, I i don't know i don't i don't think that they're be like i don't think they cared that they were i'm not they're s- definitely loyal to the fire nation sure i'm not saying that and like even may eventually betrays only because she loves zuko like she, it's not even a i actually agree with you well, it's just a okay may. i love zuko more well yeah but i'm not my argument isn't that they're heroes per se i'm just saying that had especially in Tywee's case, had Azula not had their pushed her into this, would she have done it? No, no, yeah, I, that's true. But yeah, yeah. When it comes to Tylee, I feel like it was more of a not forced thing, but it was it was some very intense peer pressure going on. <laughs> I, I would agree that I don't think Tylee genuinely cares all that much. But I don't think either of them. I cared. also don't like. May. I don't think May cares about anything. Yeah, May doesn't give a shit about. It. I like how when her brother is straight up kidnapped, she's just like eating snacks. Dude, you, you don't know. Fireflakes could be the most amazing food ever. Maybe. Maybe they're just. Made no, the of only cocaine. thing she, the only thing she seems she, she 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 shows emotion exactly one time. In this episode or in general? No, on a beach. Oh. She she, the beat, she shows the some slight emotion this episode. They bring Zuko up and she's got that smirk. She does. I that I like I we'll get to that line. I like that line a lot. Um I sometimes forget how old like earlier Mark and I were saying about the younger brother Tom Tom and I was like, is this like a second wife? Like how did the and then it occurred to me that May because in my brain, with like the way that they're animated and the way that she sounds, I was like, this child is, like, our age. But then I'm like, oh, wait, no, she's, like, 14. So he's, like, two or three, so that's not that weird. The, the thing with ages, you have to, I have to say, though, is that, one, you are dealing with a time when people grew up a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a reason that the Jews are bar mitzvahed at 13. That's, a, like, adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, two, I also think we're dealing with a universe where I, where people do grow up a little, may grow up a little bit faster. Oh, yeah, no, I agree that just, with that. In general. Just, I, it was just a moment. But, um, it's not, yeah. So we switch back over to the Resistance, and I, I actually really, really like this scene. Um, I think, one, it does a lot to help sort of convey, like, why this 
invasion matters because you kind of you see the flag has changed you see the fire nation stuff but like it's hard to feel like okay so there's different rulers in place now now you have a fire nation governor as opposed to uh king boomy but getting to like see all of these ordinary people underground having to try and fight back and and, and attempt to um you know take out the the ruling class and stuff it's it's really important and i think it's another one of these small moments that this show does really well with under like understanding that this war has consequences it's a real thing yeah although it doesn't seem as though um like life has changed all that much on the surface i mean clearly it has but um i don't know i i think that the fact that they're because I, 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 I also like that how quickly you can see them the 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 a popular opinion turn when Aang says the line like living living to a fight another day uh, you know now is the time to retreat and you just have that guy that sounds like so exasperated like living to fight another day is starting to look pretty good to me like that's a really important line I mean that is someone saying you know what my home is not worth it anymore it's time to let's let's leave like let's let's go find a better life yeah and that's that's important, and I think that shows you that life has changed for these people. You know, it's not like you have a group of people down there like, eh. Well, to be honest, the Fire Nation isn't that bad. We're just gonna stay here. It's it's no like they're all like, we'll either die trying or no. Let's just leave our homes and leave everything we know behind. Oh, see, I didn't think of it very profoundly because I, th- I just thought it was really hilarious that like <laughs> that this guy is like, we must defend our home, and then Ang's like, don't do that, and everyone else is like, all right, deuces. <laughs> but but I think that it's a, it, it's more than that. I think oh no, it definitely is. I, I'm just saying. I think that sentiment is is totally brewed. You know, you have this one leader who's sort of the the strong, you know, probably the head of the military or something. I mean, he was at Boomy's, you know, you know side. So you you know you think he's probably you know the right hand, something along those lines. And, and he's kind of the well, we're gonna fight and die for our freedom and 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 give everything we have and then you realize that this is more about regular people. This is not so much about you know, these aren't all soldiers. These are these are ordinary people who, you know, are kind of getting tired of fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish they the had next- given okay, us a scene uh, during the daytime also above ground. I mean, what we see during the daytime is mostly um, action or combat scenes, so it's a little different, but because, and, and then the sick people leaving, or you know, the people leaving with pentapox. Um, yeah. Just because that's also a really great way of showing how life is different. Because we got a pretty mm-hmm. good taste of how, like, Omashi was functioning as a city. Uh, the first time we visited, you saw, like, the card system, you saw Cabbage Man. You saw... You saw people painting vases. Yeah. Um, just yeah. having, like, maybe a 30-second extra bit of, you know, like, how it's not quite as lively, things are different. I mean, we get some of that with the statue of, I think, Ozai being built, right? Yeah. But... I I would go even further. I I think that you maybe, if you really wanted to, you could take out the fight at the end with Aang Azula. And I, I like that fight. I think it's a really well done fight. But maybe you could take that out and almost add in a bit more of like Omashu stuff and make this episode a little bit more focused on the day-to-day stuff in Omashu, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think like, I mean, what they did with everybody underground and like you said, uh, the opinion changing really fast because they're just sick of the fighting and they don't want to like risk that anymore is great, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like a little more emphasis would not have gotten this. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, yeah. With that said, I, I really like the sick scene. I think that it's comedy done really well. It fits in narratively. It Obviously, it is a little bit silly, but I think that it kind of works because it's kind of that's what it's trying to be. Um, and it does like does make some form of sense. Like obviously the the silliness of the pentapox is is there and, and we have to you know kind of deal with that. but I mean, the idea of a plague is a pretty real fear, especially if you're the Fire Nation who's come in and taken this this city over and for the most part, don't really care about the Earth Kingdom citizens. Mm-hmm. Like we're just gonna like for them, 
I understand them being like, you know what? Get these people out of here. We need to. We want to live here and, and want to resettle this stuff. We don't want to deal with this this plague. Let them go die outside the walls. And obviously, it doesn't work out, and it's it's a joke. But it's kind of like I think it work for me. It works narratively, and I, I'll continue to say it, like when every time I kind of get chafed at the comedy in this show, it's always like I feel like it. The comedy doesn't fit narratively, and in this scene, it fits, and therefore I actually like it quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that um, I don't think that silliness is necessarily a bad thing in this sort of in the sort of show or in general because I mean you know it is sort of a serious situation like they need to evacuate an entire city of thousands of people so um, the fact that that was not the fact that something so serious was not gone about in a really serious way like um, tunneling them all out through that little secret passageway or something I don't know it was sort of um I don't know. It felt better to me to have them go out in that way than for them to have like gone out in secret in this really tense and uh, like uptight strategy. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think part of the reason why as well is that, and something that I think just in general the showrunners kind of get right is that they understand the limitations where it's sometimes it, like, it's pretty hard I think to convey if you have that many people that need to leave if you want to do it in like a really serious and and like super like you know be covert as Delia was say, as Delia was saying like that kind of that's hard to do with a lot of people because naturally we're just kind of kind of focus on the characters we know and care about yeah um and I think that when you do it as and you do it a little bit more lighthearted it becomes a little bit easier to deal with the massiveness of it mm-hmm. yeah also it's just um, a lot of animated shows will fall into the trap of being like serious all the time and not um, being able to decide when to use comedy as a factor uh, Avatar is a show that regardless of what any criticism you all have it uh, does decide to take comedy and intersperse it even through serious scenes because keeping the tension that yeah. high for like a full episode for full 20 minutes is you know it's not great for, on the viewers end either so uh, in this case it yeah. fits well very, and it's very sparing yeah yeah um speaking of though a sort of not like funny but in a very different style the circus scene with azula and and, and watching tylee perform is is a really phenomenal touch i think because one it it gets a it's another great introduction of azula of how good she is at manipulating and mm-hmm. and getting what she wants and uh, you know using the, the the what power she has to get you know exactly what she what she needs because I think part of it is for her, like, yeah, she could tell Tylee, like, Tylee, you're doing this, and Tylee probably would, but I think for Azula, it's, like, she wants Tylee to want to be with, like, to go with her. Like, she wants Tylee to come to that decision herself. She'll just kind of push her as far as, as she can. Um, I also think that it does a good job of, we were talking about comedy, like, it's kind of like a very, there is some comedic nature to it, because you have this this circus runner who's like clearly terrified of, of of Azula and you know she continues to escalate these things and, and she has some really entertaining dialogue like remove the net no no that's been done set the net on fire like there's such a great there's such a great Azula there and I said it during Avatar State but I'm gonna say it again um, just in this episode as well that the, the fact that Within two episodes, they have a character who I know everything I need to know about her. I'm completely invested and I'm completely on board with her as the new main villain. And it, that's great. Like it, so many shows, you, you, you kind of have this moment of you have to give a character, you know, four or five episodes before they find their footing, before they get their dialogue just right and all this stuff. And no, Azula, the first moment she's on screen, she's great and she is just, it, it, it's excellent. Yeah. 
Um, I think that that scene with the uh, the circus, I think that did a good job of illustrating just how like selfish Azula is because you know the friend wasn't like appalled by the idea of going with her but she did make it clear I don't really want to do that I would rather hang out with the circus and do my thing and live my life and Azula instead of and I think the friend sort of saw this coming but Azula instead of just letting her live and do what she wanted was like nope I'm gonna threaten your life as you perform and um, mm-hmm. and it just sort of emphasizes the fact that Azula gives no shits about anyone's desires but her own. You know who she would like, Mark? She would like Ayn Rand. But, um... Yeah, and I think it's... A little bit. Although she's less rich. She's more divine right to rule. Yeah, I suppose. Um, you could argue those are pretty similar for the Fire Nation. Yeah, but... That's true, but... Ayn Rand, the philosophical uh, leader of the Fire Nation. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, think they're more like the philosophies that led to the absolute monarchies in Europe in the 1500s. But Fair enough. It's interesting to compare um, Azula with Zuko, and I think it's also interesting to compare um, Iroh with the two, I guess, ants that Azula hangs out with. Are they are they Iroh's sisters? Maybe. Who knows? No. No? Lonely. They're not Iroh's sisters. That's disappointing to me, but it's interesting to see like, I feel like even though Zuko right now is very um, is still very uptight and, not that he was in this episode, but you know what I'm saying. I think that you can see his, that Iroh's influence on him as compared to their influence on Azula and how different it has helped lead mm. them to come out. I don't know. I... I don't know. I don't know how Low and Lee influences all. Well, maybe not. I mean, we don't see them all that much, but you can see... I don't even necessarily mean... I, I think Azula was born a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we see her as a young child. True, she was pretty... She was... Pretty eff- I mean, her her own mother thought she was a monster. True. Well, I mean, I guess that the the two the two old ants picked the proper child to hang out with because I find them to be much more, um, you know, horrifying than Iroh. I don't necessarily mean that they influenced her, but I think that like it's fitting that she's with the two of them, whereas Zuko is with. I don't know. I mean, they're not on screen enough to really for me to make enough of an like opinion. And I also like can't get the image out of my head of them at the beach and fucking being in bikinis and stuff. Oh, Marker, um, Marker, why? I didn't need that in my life. It, 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 don't blame me. Blame Mike and Brian. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I really think as well as just. She is a certain way. Oh, no, I mean, she I think that born. she's a sociopath, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. We get the, the scene of them sitting around the, the, the campfire uh, with, with Tom Tom, and it's a very small one, but there is a kind of interesting, like, subtle point that they talk about with... with like, racism, in, in the, sort of. I, the last, I, mean, I don't know about racism. I mean, the sort of the idea of, you know... Obviously, we all look at, at children as the innocent. We look at someone, you know, a two-year-old as, as you know, not having made choices yet. But, you know, the, the guy, the, the, very, the obviously extremely jaded, um, you know, leader of, of Omashu at this point, like, there's a certain, like, I under, there's a certain part of war that makes you think like that. And I think that it, it, it brings more, again, more to this, this idea of loss of childhood, which is such a major theme throughout this story, and how you know, to there are people now who look at look at a two year old and just say, you know, yeah, but he's an enemy two year old. Eventually, he's going to join the Fire Nation army and become a killer. Yeah. And it's not like he's wrong. I mean, it, obviously, technically, we know it doesn't happen because the war ends. But like, if the war didn't end, he probably would have ended up in the Fire Nation army. It, it it's hard not to sit to like agree with that but at the same time it's horrifying to think of a two-year-old as a killer mm-hmm. yeah no that's true um I mean, 
It's unrelated, but I find it really odd that Tom Tom was just so happy in their little camp out. Like, I understand that he's a baby, but did he not notice that his parents are are nowhere to be seen? Has anyone fed this child? Like I, save I Tom Tom. I don't I don't know, Mark. There's a lot of concerning earlier in the episode, Aang was like, Bye guys, I'll be back in a little while. Momo, I will feed you later. Like, does it take you that long? Are you just you just gonna neglect your your lemur? Momo can find food on his own pretty well. I, I, I think Momo's great. Charles, you were about to say something. What's up? Um. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we we know from past episodes that Avatar has been really good about describing the nature of war, uh, treating it as mm-hmm. like a serious thing. How individual people are affected. This is um a really great scene that shows how people's mentalities are affected. For all, we, we, you just said it, uh, kids are forced to grow up really quickly in the Avatar world, and for all that they look and maybe feel like you know, older characters, uh, our main cast is in the young teens at oldest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so for them, even uh, unless they were literally every day of their lives exposed, and we know that's not the case, um, their view in the war is going to be much less strong as the those of uh, older people, hence the difference in how they treat the baby. I think that... I mean, I think it says a lot about the creators that they didn't have the... Uh, they didn't have a scene, or they didn't have a character advocate for TomTom to be... Um, not traded back, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like saying they wanted to use it for leverage? Yeah. Yeah. So... But I also think part of that is they're getting a pretty good... Like, Azula may be being ridiculous, but she isn't necessarily wrong. That Like, if you're the Resistance, what do you need this child for? And getting King Boomy back's pretty... Like, that's a pretty good um, deal. She's... No. I found it really funny earlier when Aang was like, they probably want their son back just as much as we want Boomy back. Like, no, no, bitch. That is their child. They want the child back much more. Like, I recognize... No, but the difference... The thing that you have to keep in mind that I think you have to realize is not that... Is that for Aang, Boomy is a, like, family to Yeah, but it's... I would argue that that's not... Not to say that he doesn't want Boomy back, because obviously he does, but I think that it, in the grand scheme of things, it's much worse for a parent to... I, I, yet you're right, but I'm not going to parse that statement for, well, technically a parent wants its child back more than Aang wanted his friends back. I, I, the, the point that Aang was trying to make was, like, they're not going to put us into a trap. They, like, they want Tom Tom back. And, and, and sort of, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he was trying to equate the two. I think he was more like being like, this is their child. They're not going to mess around with yeah. it. Oh, no, I just thought it was sort of a naive statement on his part. But that being said. I know. Like, I, I don't. I, I think exactly the opposite. I really like that, that moment with Aang. I think the optimism is very in character for him. And I think that, because, I, I, look, I, I think the statement would have, like, the way he says it is not, like, Oh, of course I want Boomy back as much as they do. Like it's he's more being like, of course, like this. The statement is I, I'm sure they want their son back, even you know as much as we want Boomy back. Being like, look, we want Boomy back a whole bunch. Obviously, they're gonna want their son back just as much, if not more. Like, I I don't know. I don't I, I don't see I don't I don't see that at all from that line. Mm, fair enough. I mean, you could call it a little naive because what ends up happening is when. Uh, Azula takes over in the negotiation. She looks at it from a pure tactical standpoint and says, "Well, you know, it's one kid. Uh, I guess we'll just uh, see." Well, yeah, later. but that's a, that's exactly the opposite to of what 
Delia was just saying. Like, Delia was like, well, obviously they want the son yeah, back way like, more but, because it's a but son. But the dad wasn't, like, the parents weren't the ones negotiating. I don't remember why. I, I like how I watched it, like, a half hour ago, and I don't remember why May was the one doing this. But you okay, know how so May we'll, is. we'll do that because I'll explain that because this is probably my favorite scene in the entire show. Oh. The entire episode. Not show, but not so. The entire episode. My favorite scene in this episode was once Azula gets there and what's great about this is earlier in the in the in the episode we had that moment when may is walking by with her mother and her mother says you know we're we're, we're just like, we're almost like royalty here your father is very important enjoy it and you go from that with with this you know this governor who seems like he's got quite a bit of power and he's obviously very important and suddenly he is on his knees begging azula for you know, for time to deal with this situation. And this scene for me is so, it's so powerful. It shows exactly what Azula is, how much this absolute monarchy, the the the, the, the Fire Lord and, and the princess, you know, the, the, the princess of the Fire Nation have wield so much power and can, and a 14-year-old girl can say to the governor of Omashu, like clearly a very important official, you have no, you have no standing to say anything. I am making the decision, you know, your daughter is going to handle the prison trade. Like that, like that encapsulates the Fire Nation so well. And, and you can see how, where the Azula arrogance, where the Azula, you know, where the view of herself comes from, because she can literally order, you know, a pretty important official and just have him on his knees begging her for something. Well, May is a terrible older sister. What? What? Come on! We're not there yet. We're, let, let's we'll get there. We're, she is we're still the most perfect this. character ever, but she is a terrible older sister. We're we're still on we're still on this scene. We'll get to the we'll get to the prisoner exchange. But any any comments to my love of this scene? It's a good scene. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Um, especially since. We know first since we know Azula would be the type of person to do that, and second because based on what we saw with how she strong-armed Sylee into coming on, we have kind of an idea as to how this negotiation is going to break down. Yeah, but I also think there's a really nice juxtaposition between the way she is with Tylee and the way she is in this in this moment where with Tylee. Even though she was very forceful, it was at least like one step removed. It was a little bit more like I'm going to – I don't want to use the word subtle because she really wasn't subtle. But it wasn't her just demanding something. Like I feel like this also shows that Azula understands what methods for what situation. That this is that this was a situation where she could full on, I'm the princess. This is what you're doing. That's it. The buck stops with me. It's over. Mm-hmm. Well, with Tylee, it was – I need to be a little bit more manipulative um, while being still being obviously downright, you know, crazy. All right, that's that's fair enough. There's a pretty stark difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So once, uh, so Boomy gets lowered in, and I, I love Boomy lo- being lowered in. Like he's still la- like he's in a metal box, like he's completely like, okay, in prison, guys. and he's still laughing. He's still. You know, love and life, and, and you know, Azula starts being like, you know, a you know, a powerful earthbending king, and Pumi's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and nodding, like he's just like, you know. doesn't nothing has phased him whatsoever about this situation, which is, which is just so funny to me. Uh, and then we get the first, uh, I mean, not the technically not the first Azula fight because we saw her in a fight in Avatar State, but the first uh, Azula and confirmation uh, confrontation, and. This is a, I really like this fight. I think that you know it's a good introduction to the full-on blue firebending. We get to see you know the moves of of Azula quite a bit in in, in fighting through Omashu, and in general, um, like I just like when they understand they use the environment to their advantage as you know, when when built when constructing a fight. Like you've got this, you've got Omashu. You set up this really cool thing with the with the package delivery system back in the beginning of book one and getting to see it now in a fight context is really like really good because we've, we've been introduced to this and now we have to see it in a totally different way and I that I really like and 
Boomy's commentary through the fight is really funny because, you know, he's still just completely unfazed by all of this and is like, Ang, I have to talk to you! And, like, Ang is trying to, like, save them from Azula, which is hilarious. Yeah. And also just, it's also just very different. Like, you know, it, for a certain point, it's basically like an on-rails fleeing with a prisoner. Like, it's not, this is not something you see, we see a lot throughout the show, but yeah. it's not bad. I mean... I was so. <laughs> yeah, no, I I thought it was a really I thought this was just a really good visual fight. I thought it looked great. Um, even the 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 Sokka Katara stuff was was fun. Um, we got to see the introduction to to Chi blocking with uh, Ty Lee. May May's fighting style is a little bit. He's probably one of the weaker ones in the show, but you know whatever, it's fine. You know, like I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Um, is it though? I don't know. It's just it's it's not. I think especially visually, it's not as refined. It, it's just much more like it seems like she's just throwing things. Well, yeah, but I mean, consider it the other way. Maybe like she seems just more suited for uh, stealth, shall we say, than uh, yeah. direct confrontation. Yeah. Which is. I mean, it is different, which is nice. Yeah. Like it's another it's another example of them giving a non bender like a really different fighting style, which is great. But I don't know like, between the two of them, I I, I much prefer Tylee. I think Tylee is just so such a cool fighter. Oh sure, for sure. And the uh, you as you said before with how she walks differently, she really fights differently. <laughs> oh yeah, she's just swinging around everything. I'd I'd love to see a Tylee fight like in the forest. I feel like that'd be awesome. Un unfortunately, uh, that might be a bit hard. Well, I guess if you could pony up enough money, maybe you could commission them to do yes. it. Yes, let's all let's all let's all start a collection to, to have an animated fight with Tylee and sort of GoFundMe. Yeah. I mean, that could work. Hmm. A lot of weird GoFundMe's have worked. True. And then I, I like Boomy at the end, like, you know, just just being like, oh, yeah, I can earth bend, you know, stopping Azula and then, then like, perfectly getting his coffin up onto, or whatever you want to call it, you know, his metal box onto a thing. Like, you just, once again, you're just like, oh, yeah, this guy's a pretty good earthbender. Like, he knows what he's doing. I mean, how would they... <sighs> I know he can't metal bend. Like tough, but well, where like tough learns to do, or it's implied that he doesn't. But yeah, how would you ever trap this guy? <laughs> I mean, if if he knew about metal bending, GG. Like he just wins. But Grant, you have to keep in mind he's also kind of just letting them. Like you, you do have to wonder if he hadn't surrendered, if he could have held them off. No, I, I'm yeah, also thinking also about like. Control. Why did he roll himself back up to them at the end of <laughs> after his speech to Aang? <laughs> I, I think because he knew he was going to wait for a time to take back Umashu, and then he does. Yeah, but could he, he not have done me. that without, like, offending himself back up to them and saying it? It's possible, but I think it's just Boomy. It's just Boomy's Boomy. That's how he is. Alright, that's, that's fair. He's... He's unconventional. Don't don't try to understand, Boomy. <sighs> All right. Um, obviously, the end. We have our little uh, we have our little jigging explanation uh, with Boomy, and I don't know. I, there's something about that line when, when he's just you know when Aang's like there are three jigs, and Boomy goes, well, technically there are eighty five. Like. There's something about that line that's oh I've always loved because it has such a like, like there's something about it that just feels so boomy. It feels so Avatar. We never really like we're never gonna touch on this again, but it's just fun. Like I am curious what Jigs Momo has learned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe the rest of them are all exclusively lemur gins, and humans only have three. But technically, there are eighty-five. I don't know. I that I I take a boom like a a boomy course in options in fighting. 
Hey, that that sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fun, that'd be a fun like master's level class. I actually think there's. Well, I mean, obviously, each of the uh, bending styles are based on real-world martial arts. I'm pretty sure one of them is a lot about you doing little, like you moving little, and then using. Because I know, like, ground-based martial arts, uh, or ground-based Chinese martial arts are all about, uh, redirection of force, and then using the mm -hmm. earth itself against your opponents. Yep. Um. I mean, I can, I can tell you that, like, because I know earthbending is, um, what, tiger and crane style I of kung fu? I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember, because I've watched all the Avatar creating the legends. It's like, I know, because like I know airbending is Bagua, waterbending is Tai Chi, firebending is Northern Shaolin, and earthbending is like Southern Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> mm. Well, anyway, yeah, it, it's a really good line from Boomy. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously sets up Toph pretty well where you know he, he Aang is needs to you know find a teacher who waits and listens before striking um, which quite and, fitting yes <laughs> yes it is um, but no I, I think that that, that 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 whole thing wraps up obviously you know Boomy you know laughs his way back up um and we get to the end of the episode. We get um, we get a little May Zuko hint um, for for those that are into the May Zuko uh, ship. Um, I like it, but I'm not going to talk much about it's it decent. because of the comics. Um, and obviously, the episode ends with Ang dropping off Tong Tom. Um, That's pretty and, great, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I liked it. You know, even though they don't keep their word, um, Ang is still like well. This is a family. I'm not gonna, like, we're not just gonna keep this child. Imagine um, if they did, though. That would be a. What that do you would mean? be a. That would be hilarious. Just, I don't know. I think it would be really funny. You, you if say they if they did. If if what is they did? Imagine mean? if they did keep the child. Just if, just, if Aang just kept the just child. The rest of the hey, show is never, them could... traveling with little Tom Tom. I mean, they, become, they could have left him uh, with the suit. They could have. I mean, they could have said, like, we're going to keep your son for leverage. Don't come after us. But, you know, Aang wasn't going to do that. And Aang is still, like, they're still people. And that's part of, you know, part of this for Aang. Like, you know, the Fire Nation is still, they're still human. Except for um, when they're coming to attack him on the mountain. And then, you know, those deaths don't count. Those deaths never happened. <laughs> they survived the... Wasn't there a moment? I feel like there was a moment in this episode too. I'm forgetting exactly. It was towards the beginning of the episode where I, it seemed like Katara killed two people. Oh, oh, isn't it when they get discovered at night? Yeah, yeah the first time oh, okay, they get discovered, right. and it's like, Katara, did you just kill two people? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, she's not as peaceable as Aang, so you know, maybe she. Does. That's true. I guess it's fine that Katara just casually murders people. <laughs> <laughs> the serial killer AU. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be the first time. Um. All right. So that will let us wrap up. So we're gonna move into our final thoughts and our rating. So let's just get right in, uh, Delia. Final thoughts and then your rating. Uh, May is Bay. And got on my nerves a little bit in this episode. Just, just leave. I will not allow that. Oh wait, is that thing from Overwatch that they say? Yes, oh, that's what they I say. I didn't know. Um, Aang got on my nerves a little bit, although I didn't really go into that. And um, I didn't hate Katara in this episode, so... Would you like to talk about how Aang got on your nerves in this episode? Um, no. <laughs> okay. No. That's I just fine. figured I would state it as a... Just a blanket statement. Alright. So... But at least Katara did rating. this time. Oh, right, a rating. Um, seven. Out of ten? Yes. Okay. 
Charles? Mm. I like pretty much all of the Azula scenes. They're all pretty great. Uh, I, I do, just as like a small aside, she was saying that the the royal like entourage was you know a detriment uh yep procession I think. yeah and then at the end she's carried out in a pie on like on the thing so what the fuck yeah. <laughs> what happened i think it's that i think it's because she's entering the city that, that it's important for her to look the part still. no she, when and she's leaving as she no, I know, but when she's leaving the city, like, when she enters and leaves Omashi, like, it's important for her to look the princess part, and then from this point on, she's gonna stop. Uh, like, I think that's... Alright, I guess that's fair enough. Um, yeah, so then I liked all of the Azul parts. Uh, the Aang stuff... I mean, the gang stuff... You said it at the beginning of the episode. It's like they were doing one thing for the first half and then something else for the other half. And they're tangential, tangent, tangentially. They're somewhat related, but not entirely. Yeah. And uh, it yep. detracts from that a little bit. Like from Azula's side, it's all consistent because she's mm -hmm. like gathering her team, and th this just happened to be some same place, same time. Um, but from Ang's side, it's like a little different. Like there was one goal it was accomplished, and then there was another goal, but they're not entirely related and then one becomes a mood mm -hmm. eventually anyway so it's not as strong um but yeah. at the same time you know we do get some really great scenes with tom tom uh we get boomy stuff and how and you know how ang is going to have to learn earthbending and obviously some hints as to the difficulty he's gonna have like as boomy's trying to get him to listen you know stop and listen he it just overrides Boomy to, you know, act. So that's some interesting foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I'm overall. I think I'd give this a hmm. dramatic pause. Well, I was gonna say a nine. Really intention. And I was trying to remember what I gave last week's episode. Or I two weeks ago. Uh, oh, Avatar State? Yeah, I think I gave oh. Avatar State like an 8.5. Yeah, that sounds about right. Something like, like This I like for sure better than that one. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't too fond of... You know, I'll give it a 9, sure. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to echo that quite a bit. I, I think this is a really, really strong episode. Um, I think in general, like, from a moment to moment, this is one of the best episodes that we've seen um, outside of, like, the finales, obviously, that are just incredible. Um, but, like, everything about, like, I don't really have any complaints about any specific parts of this episode. Everything, like, individually is really good. I think as a whole, though, it, it it's going to lose some points because of what Charles was saying and what I said at the beginning, that there there does seem to be a bit disjointed where the first half of this episode is them entering the city they're trying to you know find boomy figure out what's going on they get pulled into the resistance and then it it feels like the episode is going to be about them getting out of omashu and they get out of omashu very quickly and then suddenly the episode becomes about the exchange between tom tom and boomy which is a very different type of episode it 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 feels a lot more um it just has a different tone um, than the, the more sort of stealthy underground resistance kind of thing that the, the beginning of the episode does. And I think that in general, like if 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 the two parts of the episode were were well put together, this would be like a truly spectacular episode, you know, up in that, you know, nine five or above. But I think because of the because of the, the, the transitional issues, I'm gonna dock some points. But unlike another episode like this with the let's say um northern air temple where i kind of talked about how it felt like the ending had very little to do with the beginning for me the ending was also not particularly well executed i, I didn't like how it how it worked and i thought it undercut the entire episode for this one it kind of just feels like you have 
a two-part episode with two 10-minute episodes in which both are really, really good. So I'm going to give it a nine as well. I think this is a, this is a, this is a pretty, you know, a, a very good episode, and I think that it's going to kick off a run of some some good episodes. Uh, in general, I can, you know, you can just kind of look, and there are some very, very high-quality episodes uh, coming up. So I think that's something great to look forward to. So. With that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you to my panelists, Charles and Delia. I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you for listening. Always, We always appreciate that. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, auntwoo underscore pod, twitter.com slash auntwoo. That's A-U-N-T-W-U underscore P-O-D. You can also follow me on Twitter at stack underscore mode. That's S-T-A-C underscore M-O-D-E. Um, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, um, Google Play, iTunes, etc., uh, as well as SoundCloud. You can leave us comments in SoundCloud or in iTunes, and we will address them if we do. And we will see you next week uh, for episode four. We're, we're moving right along into episode four of the season. Oh, can I say something? Go ahead. I'm going to start a podcast soon, too, and it's going to be about crime and serial killers and creepy things. And someday... It'll be prepared, and then I'll come back here. Even if Mark doesn't invite me, I'll find a way, <laughs> and I'll be like, everyone, come listen to my podcast. So I'm just going to plug that before it even happens. So plug, plug. All right, so when you see it, check out uh, Delia's podcast. Once that is uh, that once that's available, I will tweet out where uh, you can find that. Um, so you can, you can follow that one if you're into crime and creepy things. Yes. All right. Thanks very much, guys.